0: Welcome to Happy Inside, it's Michelle here, bringing you 10 years of clinical experience in gut-focused therapy and embodied psychotherapy. We're talking about the behavioural and psychological aspects of gut disorders, chronic conditions, chronic stress and anxiety. All those conversations you've been waiting to have are happening here. And we have a solution, or at least we have the possibility or the hope of a solution, right? It is so common for us to be seeking answers, to be gathering more and more information, um, to really find uh, the solution at the end of the day. That's what we're doing, we're looking for a solution. And I know that you have been down that path for gosh knows how long. It could be six months, it could be three years, it could be 10, 15, 20 years. And you've found pieces to the puzzle. You're putting that puzzle together. Every new piece of information is more knowledge Um clearer direction, more possibility, uh, more hope to overcome what you're experiencing. Now, if your body's anything like mine, (laughs) yeah, I I got the short straw. (laughs) I'm happy to admit that I definitely got the short straw. And all I can do about that is educate myself, work within the limitations that my body has, to do all the things that help my body thrive, which I don't always do. (laughs) I mean, you know, I love sugar, for example, and that is one thing that 100% of the time makes me feel worse. Uh, but it is about learning and accepting and surrendering and, you know, I've been through the blaming stage. That <laughs> That's a fun one. Sometimes I like to go back to that just for fun. Um, <laughs> But um, there are likely a number of reasons, multifactorial reasons uh, that you are struggling with ill health or hurdles in your health, uh, difficulties somehow. And it occurred to me, I don't often really talk a lot about my own personal experiences, but it occurred to me that if I share with you uh, some of the understandings that I've come to about my body, uh, you know, what happened along the way and where I'm at, then they that might just very well... Resonate with you in some way, or give you an idea, or you know, send you in a direction you haven't yet been in, which may be the one that you need. So, let's start with when I was a baby now. I wasn't born into uh, an environment that was conducive for well-being. Um, My mum was already sick and in hospital for many, many months before I was born. Uh, So we know that would have had an effect on my development, on my nervous system... Um, and, you know, on my genetics. And if we look back through my mum's genetics, you know, to my grandma, for example, I mean, this woman unfortunately had a multitude of illnesses um, that ran through that side of the family. So there's some genetic predisposition uh there is definitely environmental uh, factors. So in the womb, also in my uh, in my upbringing, I experienced, uh, we can say, a lot of stress in my nervous system uh, when I was developing when I was growing up. So what I know is that I have, uh, what can be called or what is called like a trauma-wired brain. Uh, and when people experience all different types of trauma, they can be big traumas, little traumas, relational traumas, then the brain gets wired differently, the nervous system gets wired differently to somebody who uh, has a complete sense of safety. And the word wiring is important because it does get wired that way. It develops that way. You see the world in a particular way based on that wiring. You react and respond to the world or people or circumstances in particular ways based on that wiring. So here was my nervous system, you know, throughout my childhood. Now, as I kind of got into, well, actually, when I look at photos of myself as a kid, I was always puffy. Puffiness is one of the symptoms that I've experienced across the course of my life. Um, And the more unwell I am, then the more puffy I get. (laughs) Um, And I was very puffy as a kid. when I say puffy, like my eyelids and my face and my little fingers and I was puffy. So there was already some difficulties happening back then. And what I know about that now, 40 years later, is that I have some mutations in my liver detoxification pathways. So my body doesn't detoxify um, from those toxins Knowing that now, I can look back and and see, ah, see, this is why I was very sensitive to medications as a child. Uh, I was sensitive to a lot of things. I had food sensitivities back then, although they weren't (laughs) in full force. Um, I still ate quite a varied diet, you know, back then, but I did, like I was the kid that got sick whenever... um, you know, I went to like a slumber party or a birthday party because I wasn't used to eating well, a, look, I wasn't used to eating kind of junk food, and that's a good thing. So my parents, um, my mum very specifically brought us up with you know wholesome cooked food. We didn't have really much junk food that wasn't um part of our life so she probably saved me in a sense <laughs> because i was eating wholesome food which is what i could mostly tolerate and then you know when i didn't eat those wholesome foods i i felt gravely ill i was quite sick so when i moved into my teenage years that's when things really started to go uh, terribly uh, there were difficulties at home in my parents' marriage. Um, I was now, yeah, feeling quite incredibly stressed. Um, and again, in hindsight, I didn't know this back then, but in hindsight, now I can look back and say, ah, oh, okay. So when my kind of IBS symptoms really kicked in was in my teenage years. And in those teenage years was when there was a lot of psychological and emotional distress in my life that wasn't being attended to. Um, And so, you know, my nervous system was really stressed. It affected my gut. And I became more sensitive then. Likely my hormones probably played a role as well. Um, and then I just progressively got worse. <laughs> um, yeah, I I had a lot of psychological difficulty, um, a lot of very low self-esteem, low self-worth. Um, I unfortunately was living out of home very early on at 17 and life was very hard. Uh, you know, I was fully supporting myself, attempting to finish school, um, which I couldn't finish because, well, the stress was too much really of, uh, trying to navigate, you know, this big wide world out there and working part-time. And, um, yeah, so my life kind of took on these pathways. And those pathways, you know, began to include not very healthy behaviours, a lot of survival behaviours. And just, you know, again, I had such poor self-worth um and self esteem and and so you know I wasn't really engaging in what I would class now as um you know the healthiest way to live. I wasn't doing anything terribly bad uh i I was so sensitive i I didn't do drugs, I didn't drink ever um you know those things I couldn't tolerate in my body. Uh, and I was too busy trying to survive anyway. <laughs> um, so I think just over the course of all those years and into my early adulthood, I, my life just kind of became what it did. And, uh, yeah, I, I just permanently had gut symptoms and was just generally unwell. So not with, you know, I don't tend to get lots of colds and flus and I didn't back then either, but I just generally didn't look well. You know when you look at people and you think, oh, how they're toxic, as in they just, they look like they eat an unhealthy diet, they don't exercise or look after themselves and they just look like they're struggling. I kind of looked like that a lot of the time, I think, Um to me, I don't know whether I look like that to other people, but uh, I I didn't know any different. I had no idea what was going on. And I just kind of plodded along. I, I remember I used to go to the doctor and get, um, you know, testing all the time on my gut and find out like, why am I, I'm constantly getting stomach bugs or food poisoning. This is what I thought. So There was a time in my early 20s when I did develop a lot of anxiety about food and health anxiety Um, because I would get what I perceived as these, you know, frequent stomach bugs. I didn't know that it was just, you know, the IBS and the... Toxic load in my body that every now and then just got so high that it kind of tipped me over and and I you know I'd get acutely unwell for a period of a week or something and I attributed that back to food I was like oh I got food poisoning from you know what I ate yesterday and therefore I'm it must have been the broccoli and I didn't wash it properly and um, and so now I have to be hyper vigilant and And you know, wash all my vegetables and not bring germs home and, or it was that restaurant I ate and it was the veal that I ate for dinner. And so therefore I stopped eating veal for the rest of my life. (laughs) Uh, I had no idea, no idea. Uh, I, I just, you know, I was looking for answers, right? So that I didn't you have a repeat of that problem or that illness. And I was very anxious by now. So in my early 20s, very anxious generally, very health anxious. Uh, Yeah, and I had a really tough time and it took a lot of my attention. Uh, But I, I didn't really adapt my diet back then. I didn't think that it was dietary. I hadn't twigged. I mean, this is 20 nearly 25 years ago uh all this dietary information wasn't about so i hadn't twigged you know that oh there's you know my favorite food was bakery food um fyi i am wildly gluten intolerant (laughs) i have the 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 gene for celiac disease but fortunately not celiac disease and um yeah, and here I was, you know, every day eating something from the bakery uh, and just getting sicker and sicker. So, uh, you know, I had no idea back then. Um, I was blaming it on bugs and viruses and things. Um, yeah, and it wasn't until, I don't know. Look, I was also experiencing a pretty hefty, you know, with the anxiety, pretty hefty depression as well. When I look back, I can see that I had all the brain fog and the inflammation, the neuroinflammation, the gut dysbiosis. It was all happening back then, um, at least 25 years ago, Uh, actually longer than that. Uh, So I was just doing the best I could. I had no idea, just, you know, popping headache tablets all the time and, Yeah, but still eating the same diet. Uh, Then I think somewhere in my kind of late 20s, I eventually started to see some functional doctors and, you know, I went to the RPA allergy clinic here in Sydney, uh, which is very well known for the elimination diet you know, chemical sensitivities. And I did that diet three different times over the course of, I don't know, maybe five years or more. Of course, every time I did it, I got worse because uh, every time I did it, my sensitivities were so high and I became more sensitive, which meant that more foods were cut out of my diet that I couldn't introduce back in without the risk of, being more sensitive Um, so that got me into a bit of a pickle (laughs) and I think we know now definitely affected my microbiome more because I wasn't getting the variety that I needed to keep me healthy yeah but look I went down these paths and had lots of different testing and lots of misdirection and yeah, ended up, it's unfortunate to say, but I didn't ever get better <laughs> during all those years. And again, with hindsight, I can tell you why. I didn't know back then and the practitioners didn't know back then. I think the knowledge wasn't there uh, about uh, my biochemistry and my genetics. Um, unfortunately, I have a lot of mutations in my methylation pathways, which means that, yeah, a lot of my biochemical pathways don't work effectively. And they create a lot of problems within my body and my, my systems and my body's capacity, uh, which means um, I react a lot. Uh, so if you don't have this information and you try and supplement me, for example, as in give me supplements, even something as basic as B12 – It makes me incredibly sick, incredibly unwell. Um, And back then, you know, in my late 20s and in my 30s, I was seeing a lot of practitioners that didn't have that knowledge. And so there was a lot of different interventions that were happening that I couldn't tolerate that just continued to make me unwell um, and a lot of steps backwards. I'm just trying to remember as I'm talking, you know, was there ever a point that I did feel better? Well, I think I came in and out of it at times, but I never really felt better while I was doing any of those treatments or protocols. Uh, You know, it wasn't until maybe five years ago that I had my genetics tested. And that gave an incredible amount of information as to what was going on. But again, I hit really big hurdles and lots of lots of gut issues, you know, I have lots of gut dysbiosis going on and lots of attempts to um, rebalance that dysbiosis. Uh, but again, massive hurdles, massive hurdles, just getting intolerably sick. So not just a bit of, you know, there's, there's die off symptoms um, which you'll overcome, um, but I—I I, that doesn't happen to me. I don't overcome that. I just get worse and worse and worse, because my body can't detoxify, um, and and so that, as you can imagine, creates a big difficulty. When I have a lot of toxins in my body, we need to detoxify. We can't body can't get rid of them. Um, so this—I'm such a great host. <laughs> My body is an incredible host for these uh, microorganisms to, um, to live and thrive in and build communities of bad guys. They love it. They're like, yes, I swear they're telling their friends. They're saying, come on, I have found the perfect host over here. This one doesn't know how to get rid of us. This one's not clever. So they all just move in, <laughs> take up residence, like, They have been building. Oh, they started off building houses, then unit blocks. (laughs) They've built suburbs and towns within me. They're smart, these little guys. Um, And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I have, like, some extra friends that are here. (laughs) Well, they might not be friends, but, you know, they're here anyway. Now, you can imagine that... I'm still finding myself in that place of wanting answers. I'm seeking answers to what's going on and why Why aren't I overcoming this and why am I just getting sicker and what's happening? And I was so fortunate to work with some practitioners who are colleagues of mine, Bella Linderman and her team. You can find them at bellalinderman.com. And these guys, massive shout out to them, huge. I mean, they are incredible practitioners. They looked at my history very objectively and were able to establish we think there is something else going on here other than what you already know. And off I went for mould testing. Well, (laughs) before you know it, I've now got mold illness, um, chronic inflammatory response syndrome. And this mold illness explains a lot about uh, why... I'm not successful in the other gut protocols. And uh, this particular mold, anyway, um, its fancy little job, <laughs> very cleverly, while it's living in my body and multiplying, is to shut down my detoxification pathways. How clever is that? You have to admit, as an organism, that is so clever. Like it's, it's figured out a way that it can maintain its environment. So I've got a bit of a double whammy. I've got this like incredible um, load of mold in my system uh, that is making me sick. Um, and then I have the genetic predisposition where my detoxification pathways don't work. And then the mold also goes, well, I'm going to double make them not work. (laughs) Uh, so, you know, again, arises the hurdle. Um, now I wanted to give you this information because... Oh, also, just about the mould. About 15 years ago, I lived in an environment. Actually, i tell you this story. It's fascinating. So I live in Sydney. I lived in Sydney back then, in the inner west of Sydney, in a suburb called Stanmore. Now, anyone from Sydney knows the inner west. Stanmore, Newtown, Camperdown, Marrickville, in particular, these t- these suburbs are well known for something called rising damp. Um, it is essentially there's so much water. I think I think the suburbs must be I don't know, but they're, they're built. It's built on top of anyway a wet area. Um, there's a lot of moisture in the ground. And these houses are very old, they're often double brick, etc but rising damp is when the moisture comes you know from the ground up through the foundations of the house into the walls, and you end up with uh, constant dampness in the house, which gives rise, of course, to mold. I lived in a house uh, it was like a, it was like a huge house on a corner block and the house had been it's a two-story and it had been separated into four apartments and I was on the bottom floor and I was I was living there for maybe a year and I was really sick now I should say I didn't put this two and two together it was actually through the work of Bella and her team that they said hey you know we have had a really good look at your history and we think suspect there could be mold illness have you been exposed to mold and I said ah yeah I was really badly and I told them the story I'm about to tell you and only through telling that story did I make the connection and went oh my god that's when I was the sickest in my life and I got the most sick even after that in the year after that I never made that correlation before and very disappointingly none of the functional doctors or practitioners that I'd been to up until my colleagues uh, had even contemplated this um, as a possibility. So I was living in this house and I was pretty sick at the time. I remember I had the worst gut symptoms. I was so inflamed and just sinus, constant sinus kind of, I don't know if I had infections, but it was, yeah, you could see the constant puffiness in my sinus and in my eyes, constant sinus headaches, constant just general headaches, um, but just really ugh, just, yeah, toxically sick I was. And uh, I – all my stuff started to go mouldy. Like the bed frame started to go mouldy. It was wooden. I had a futon mattress and I can only begin to imagine (laughs) the amount of mould that must have been living in that because they're so dense. Um. Yeah, that like I had clothing, like leather jackets that were going mouldy. It was just things in my whole apartment were mouldy. And I ended up um, getting in, like through the real estate, I contacted them and and we got in um, a person to have a look at, you know, the house and to assess the situation, you know, for dampness and mould. And wow, this is what happened. So I was on the bottom floor, um, I had floorboards and I remember the floorboards had some gaps in them, you know, in places and sometimes you could feel the draft that was coming from the earth below and you could smell the mouldy air in that draft or through those floorboards. If you, you know, I think you could smell it in my apartment, but if you put your nose to the floorboards, you could smell it. And there was a little manhole in my floorboards. And so the guy came in and he, um, he kind of lay down on the floor, took the manhole off, laid down on the floor, had a torch, dropped his upper body into the manhole and was looking around under there. He came back out and he looked at me and he goes, oh, dear. And I was like, what? And he said, you have rolling hills of mold under there and I was like, what is this guy talking about? He gave me the torch and he said, go and have a look. I did the same thing as him. I lay down, I stuck my head in there, I looked around with the torch, and so underneath there was a it was a space of about maybe a meter, meter and a half between my floorboards and just the bare earth, right? So just rubble what they kind of built onto. And on top of that rubble, there was rolling hills of mould that were about 20, 30 centimetres high, just rolling hills of it, like clouds almost, underneath my entire apartment. (laughs) Um, I can't remember. They put in um, air vents to suck out you know, the, the damp air. I remember that's what they did actually. Um, I ended up moving out. I left Sydney. I moved back to Canberra. And if you have listened to maybe an earlier podcast that I've done or wherever I've mentioned that I got gravely ill, ended up in hospital and then this is what drew me to do this work, um, it was in that time after I'd left that apartment um, and within the following within that next year that I became gravely ill i was I was so ill I couldn't work I was skeletal um, my gastrointestinal symptoms were so bad I had chronic diarrhea for nine months um, I lost 14 kilos in that time. Uh, I ended up in hospital with something called hyperkalemia. My potassium dropped by half, uh, which meant that my heart was struggling to function. My resting heart rate was 150 beats a minute. Um, it took years for me to recover from that. Years. I was very, very, very unwell. And then years and years again, you know, to recover after that stage but telling you this is for the purpose of you taking in and including all the possibilities that you can when it comes to your health and well-being so we know with me we have genetic factors we have kind of environmental toxins, we have um, um, the environment that I grew up in, you know, the effects on my nervous system and the wiring within me, Um, we have, you know, the food, we have the gut dysbiosis, we have the stress uh, and how that affected me, you know, in those later years as well and at various times in my life, it's multifactorial. It's not as simple as it's just the one thing. When you are chronically ill, it's imperative that you take into consideration all the different factors that could be contributing to your symptoms. And we know from my work uh, that stress, anxiety, anxiety, unresolved trauma, things like that, even just unresolved emotions, these are critical factors that can affect your gut function and your health. Uh, It's important to also take into consideration those environmental factors, the genetic factors. You know, we want to obviously find an easy solution for you. What I see Is that I'll use food as an example. When food is the only place that is held accountable to your gut symptoms, and it so happens to not be the main cause of your symptoms, that's unfair. It's unrealistic that you will then achieve success in altering your diet gosh knows how many times and eliminating this and challenging that and having to keep that out of your diet for a prolonged period of time. That's not ideal. We know that. And it's also not fair on you to be flogging the one dead horse when when that's not the thing that's the problem. You know, the emotional and psychological and behavioral factors, you know, of gut disorders and chronic illness are a huge piece of the pie, which is why I'm here. It's why I exist. You know, another factor which I often talk with my clients about is if you have done various dietary interventions and you don't have any benefit from those dietary interventions, well, we know that there's something else going on underneath. And one of those factors very simply can be chronic levels of stress and anxiety because we know that it activates your sympathetic nervous system and stress chemicals in your body and they, on their own, have a direct impact on your microbiome. If you do the low FODMAP diet, if you take you know, those foods out of your diet, you reintroduce them, you discover that there are a number of groups of foods that you find hard to tolerate and therefore you leave those out of your diet, that's not a good enough answer either. Your body shouldn't react to those whole foods in that way. It means that there is likely some gut dysbiosis happening. So there is a root cause underneath why your body has difficulty digesting and processing whole foods, right? So keeping foods out of your diet permanently, unless it's like gluten and maybe dairy, um, is not a whole answer. It's a Band-Aid solution. So we need to dig further. Keep seeking those answers because – Your body's telling you there's still something out of balance. There's still something out of balance. So please keep taking into consideration, like widen the view, you know, open that scope and assess all the different possibilities that could be there. And make sure you are working with practitioners such as myself, such as my colleagues, you know, Bella Lindemann and her team that have the capacity and the willingness to widen that angle if need be. You know, we are willing to refer you on um, if we are not the best people, if if if, if there are limitations um, in our scope of practice, if it appears that there's something else going on, well, then we want you to have access to that something else. Very important that you do. So please keep seeking if you need to and do it objectively. Do it from a place of curiosity and empowerment not from a place of fear and clutching and grasping and over information. You know, work with somebody who can really help you objectively make uh, assessments about what might be happening for you. And I guess, you know, dietary difficulties are the biggest one, Um I want to make it really simple for you. If, if you are having continued symptoms, um, you know, even after trying dietary interventions, well, please know that there are other factors at play for you to investigate. It might be here with me. If you have stress and anxiety, unresolved things in your life, a history of trauma then it is likely that this is a contributing factor and those things can definitely affect your microbiome so it's, you know it's also a possibility that uh you go down the path of functional gut testing and interventions um yeah because we want you to feel better at the end of the day things are out of balance and we want to put them back in balance i care about you even if i don't know you i care about you i want you to feel better Uh, and i want to give you as much information and knowledge and resources as i can in the event that it's just one little piece of information that's You know, the critical piece of the puzzle for you or that sends you in that direction that you hadn't thought of before or that nobody had given you access to before. This is just about knowledge and sharing that knowledge and for you to utilise that knowledge in whichever way benefits you. I'm still here and I've got a question for you. What is it that you liked about this episode or what really resonated with you and how are you left feeling after listening? I want so much to hear about your experience, to hear you, to know what's important to you. So before you go, please let me know. Share that with me in the reviews because I read every single one of them and If you want to connect with me, look, the easiest place to go is my website, happyinside.com.au, where you'll find links for everything, including the booking link for one-on-one consultations. I hope to meet or connect with you or hear from you in some way soon.